Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Today, if you will, turn with me to Mark chapter 2 and verse 9. I'm going to read a couple of verses and you, can, and you can be seated. But Mark chapter 2 and verse 9. The Bible says, whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sin be forgiven thee, or to, to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin, he saith unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. If you will, today, if you, you can, as you be seated, as you're seated today, we're going to talk about today as the authority, as Brother Toby's already said, the authority to forgive. As God, Jesus has the power and the authority to forgive sin. I will trust that God today, I trust, and I entrust that God can and has forgave me for sin, my sin in my life. And today we're thankful for that ever across this place. The series we're starting this month is, is the is the power of forgiveness. And it is a powerful, as Brother Toby's already shared, is a power, there's a power in forgiveness. It shows the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ as displayed through several accounts in this gospel. These lessons that we're going to talk about this next, this next four weeks will be highlighted in the authority of Jesus to forgive, the desires to forgive and not condemn, his command that we forgive others, and the hope that as long as we have breath, we can find a place of forgiveness. Right. This series will help us activate the power of forgiveness in us and through us. Jesus caused a great stir in Capernaum the first time he visited after being, beginning his ministry. On his first Sabbath after arriving back in town, he and four of his disciples... Peter, Andrew, James, and John went to the synagogue where Jesus was given the opportunity to teach. His, his teaching, just you know, we know through Scripture, his teaching astonished the congregation. They were, they were overwhelmed of the knowledge. He, this young minister, this young person, the, the knowledge he spoke and, and the way he spoke, they had never heard anyone teach just like him. And could you imagine God in flesh Standing before you, teaching the words. But suddenly Jesus was interrupted by a, by a man that cried out with a voice that was not seem like it was human. It was a snaring, demonic voice. It shouted, let us be alone. In, verse, in Mark 1 and 24, it says, let us be alone. We have to, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? Verse goes on and says, I know thee who thou art the Holy One of God. Because here, here to tell you, not just, you know, when we look through Scripture, the enemy, the devil, you know, he knows who God is. 
You know, he, he, he knows, he probably understands the situation more than we do. And so today, you know, when we look at things and we look, go through things in life, you know, we think about the evil world we live in today. The enemy says, you know, with the, un, the godliness of the world we live in. We find that when you find that the, 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 the spirit you know, we see, we say, well, these people don't know nothing about God. But they do really truly know who really God is. Maybe they may not know, understand a Bible verse. Or they may not be able to quote scriptures today. But the spirit that, that are influencing their lives, they knew who God is. And that's what in this scripture, the Bible says, this, this demonic spirit says, I know who thou art. Thou art the Holy One of God. He knew before anybody else, even knew before his disciples. And that's what he was telling. This stunned the crowd. They were expecting a nice service at the synagogue that day. They were wanting to hear their two songs, have prayer requests, hear an encouraging message, maybe have a little altar call around the front, and they're ready to call it a good day. That's what they were expecting when they came to service. They weren't expecting to encounter a demonic spirit. So sometimes in service, when we come to church, we come to church you know, expecting to have just a normal service. But we never know what's going to happen in a service. But, but sometimes in life, you know, we have to, be have to be ready to experience whatever may come about. He amazed them even more with his power, more than even his teaching. He calmly looked at the man and commanded the demon in verse, 1 and in verse 25 of Mark 1. He says, hold thy peace and come out of him. He didn't, he didn't grab him. He didn't hold him. He didn't wrestle him down to the floor. The scripture says he just calmly said, hold thy peace and come out of him. Immediately the demon came out. The crowd was, had never seen a man demonstrate such authority that a demon that would obey a human being just because he told him to be quiet and leave. The congregation had a lot more to talk about at lunch that day. You know how sometimes we talk about at church, you know, we go to sisters, as Brother Toby said, and we talk about lunch, talk about what happened in the service. And I can imagine today this service, this, this group of congregation, if they broke service right after this, they had something to talk about. But later, Jesus gave them even more to talk about. When the service was over, he went to Peter's house. And he found Peter's mother-in-law sick in the bed with a fever. With just one simple touch, Jesus healed her body. This news quickly spreaded of the miracles and what had happened in earlier in the synagogue. And that even the whole town gathered where Jesus was. They brought all their sick. They brought all their demon-possessed to him. And Jesus healed them all that came to where he was at. He's got that. Jesus healed everyone that came to him. Everyone that, that came into his presence, he healed them. Didn't matter what it was. But actually, as the scripture goes on, there was at least one paralyzed man in that town who did not come to where Jesus was that day. This paraplegic heard of how Jesus had miraculously healed so many in that town that day. He knew he should be happy for those that were healed. But as he laid on his bed staring at his lifeless legs, he only felt bitter regret about not being healed himself. His regret increased even more when he heard that Jesus left town 
without him getting his healing. Sometimes in life, you know, we see someone else get their healing. We see someone else's prayer being answered. Sometimes, you know, we know in our deepest heart we, we should be happy for them. But it's that enemy, he creeps in and he says, you know, well, they got their healing. You didn't get yours. And so that spirit of, spirit of bitterness comes in on us. And so that spirit is so powerful, so true. Because sometimes, you know, we come to church and I've been to church. I've talked about myself today. I've been at service when I had a need in my life. And I got someone standing up here talking about testimonies of what God has did for them. And God hadn't changed my need. God didn't answer my prayer. And it's so easy in the life, just like this man here today, we, we want to cast on to him because he, he got bitter for a time. He regretted his great increase when, God let, when Jesus left. There would be no healing for him at this time or at least for a long time because Jesus had left. In that bitter moment, he, something changed in him. In that bitter moment, he resolved that he would not miss another opportunity to be healed the next time Jesus came into his presence. So sometimes in life, when we don't get our healing, we may feel bitterness, we may feel regret, we may feel this or that in our life, but we need to allow that feeling inside of us to push us and say, we're not going to miss the next opportunity. We're not going to miss the next opportunity when Jesus comes. After leaving Capernaum, Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, healing the sick, and casting out demons everywhere he went. So you imagine, just imagine this, this man. Here he is laying in his bed, can't walk. All he can do is he listen to the stories coming, coming by. Hearing how Jesus, everywhere he goes, he's healing the sick. He's taking care of their spiritual needs. Jesus finally made his way back to Capernaum with his disciples and he went into a home. Maybe it was a nosy neighbor. Maybe it was someone saw them come into town. But whatever happened, someone spreaded the news that the miracle worker was back. Here the miracle, here he is, he's back in town. Before long, someone was knocking on Jesus' door where he was at, and then another one, and then another one. So many people showed up to hear him that the crowd spilled out of the door into the streets. Anyone else who showed up would just have to wait for another time for Jesus because they not, could not get to where Jesus was at. But there's, there was, soon someone came knocking on the door of the, the polygic man's house. Said four of his friends came excitingly to let him know, hey, Jesus is back. Jesus is back in town. The miracle worker is back in town. They were excited about, about this because they had, they had caught the vision of this man. They knew he was in desperate need of a healing. So they had caught on to this and they had got that desperate too also. And they were excited because Jesus was back in town. Each friend took a corner of this man's bed and carried him to the house where Jesus was. When they arrived, we know the story, the crowd was wrapped around the house. They could not get into the house. One of them peeped through the window and said There's, these men would, could not get nowhere even close to where Jesus was. But just, just a few minutes, sometimes you know, we say, well, sometimes we come to church and 
we don't feel like we can get to where Jesus is. Sometimes we get to places in life, you know, we feel like Jesus is so far away. We feel like we cannot get to where he is. Sometimes we get disappointed because things in service. Sometimes we come to church and we need, got a need in our life and we say, well, we, we need, I'm, I need an a action-packed, wide open, running, uh, swinging on the chandelier service. And sometimes we come to church and it's like a Wednesday night. It seems like it's just, just sing the songs and nobody moves and just, you know, have you ever been to the service like that? And when you think you need something, you think you need this way of service and sometimes you get the opposite. Sometimes we get disappointed because it's not happening like we think it needs to happen. Or we have a sinner friend come with us or someone that needs a healing and, and the, the service don't go like it, we, we think it should go. And, and sometimes we get disappointed by that. And so we know this, this group of these four friends probably felt a little disappointed because now they've been excited about getting their friend to this miracle worker, get him healed. But their disappointment they felt at first turned into the determination to get to Jesus no matter what. They did not wait for him to finish his sermon and come outside and wait for that sermon service to get over to talk to him about this situation. They didn't call him to his pastor in the office. They was determined. They was not going to miss their opportunity to see their friend healed. They did not know how many more opportunities like this they would get. Sometimes in our life when we, when we don't get what we feel like we need or we got a need from God and we don't seem like it's been answered. If we'll take this passion because sometimes, you know, we look at life and we look at services sometimes just, well, just checking this checkbox. I've been to another service. But maybe this might be an opportunity we have to get what we need from God. You know, sometimes when we look at this situation, you know, sometimes we come to service and we leave service. Well, I'll get, I'll get it next service. I'll get it next Sunday. As a backslidden apostolic young person, I said, I'll pray through next Sunday. I'll pray through the next service or I'll pray through that next revival. But sometimes, you know, we got to realize these opportunities may not come. We may not have another Sunday. We may not have another service. This may be the last service. God may come back before this service is even over. Brother Campbell may not even get to preach today because God may come back. So, so, so sometimes, you know, we look at services, we look at things, but we need to think about, you know, we don't know how many more opportunities we have. And that's where these men were. They decided, hey, that, well, I don't know if Jesus is coming back. I don't know what's going to happen. We may not get another opportunity to see him healed. So one of these, in a desperate situation, saw the stairs, which was kind of a common thing on the side of houses back in this day. I saw the stairs on the side of the house that led up to the roof. And then a crazy thought came to him. I can imagine him like one of the people I hung around with as a growing up. Hey, what about this? Let's carry him to the roof. We can climb to the roof and lower him through the roof of the house. They, are, they had to be desperate and determined to come up with an ideal like this. After all, this was someone else's house. How would you like some strangers tearing off the roof of your house? 
So you know this thought had to go through, I would hope this thought went through one of their minds. Say, hey, what about, what do you think that homeowner is going to think about this? What do you think somebody's going to, you know, we're tearing off the roof of their house. We're not just, we're not just knocking a window out. We're taking the roof off of the house. The ideal sounded crazy, but they went with it. It was a crazy ideal, but sometimes, you know, we have to get a little, sometimes you, we see crazy people. We know a lot of people's crazy, but when people get desperate, they get crazy. They may be already crazy, but they're going to get a little bit crazier when they get desperate. And so sometimes in life, you know, when you get a desperate, you get a crazy ideal. And, and sometimes that's what God is looking for, for us to get out of our ordinary. Sometimes he's not, I'm not saying be, be uh, really crazy or get, do something out of, the, you know, out of the, what you should be doing. But I mean, I'm just saying sometimes we need to get out of the ordinary. God wants us to step out of the, 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 the common place of our life. And these four men, they lifted their friend in his bed and took it to the roof of the house and they went to work making a hole to lower him through. The typical roof in Israel was at that time was a flat roof. It had wooden support beams where they, had put, they were put in place and matted with branches laid across the beams and then a thick layer of clay was piled on top of the branches. They would have to make a pretty good ruckus and make a pretty major mess digging through all this in that roof. Because you imagine digging through all this clay that had been sun-baked and, and, and on top of these branches and then all of a sudden tearing this out. You can imagine the, 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 the site that was inside of the house when stuff started falling. The roof was falling and things were starting to happen. But finally when they had made a hole large enough for one of them to appear through, and maybe this is my imaginations today, but there was Jesus looking up at them smiling. Because Jesus knew what they were doing. And Jesus knows all things. He knew them. He knew what they were doing. He knew who, when he heard the ruckus on top of the roof, I feel like Jesus already knew what was going on. So I feel like he was, you know, maybe my imagination, but I feel like Jesus looked up at him and was smiling. He looked up at him and nodded that he, his head in approval. Maybe even laughed a little as the four men lowered their men through the new hole in the roof and set him right down in front of Jesus. This was certainly a first. Never had anyone expressed such determination and faith to get to Jesus. You know, we know the scripture. We go through the scripture. We hear people like the woman with the issue of blood. She pushed through the crowd just to touch his hem of a garment. We've seen where men did major things and stuff to get to Jesus. But no one had ever ripped off someone else's house, roof of their house, just to get to Jesus. Today, I ask us today, are we really determined enough to see what we need in our life? Are we determined enough to tear a hole in the roof of someone's house, knowing it's going to cost us to fix this roof? But are we determined enough and have enough faith that if we can get to His presence, that God can change the situation. You know, sometimes in life, you know, we, I believe, if, I mean, I'm not saying telling somebody to climb up on top of the church and tear a hole in the roof today to get here. We have many doors that's open and there's plenty of ways to get in. So you don't have to tear a hole in the roof. But if you show that determination these men had, God will honor that faith. 
Clearly these men had great faith, otherwise they would not have done what they'd done. They wouldn't have went, went through what all they had knew. They wouldn't have went through the, the, the risk of the consequences they were going to face if they didn't have faith that when they got into the presence of Jesus, that their, their friend's life was going to be changed. When Jesus saw their faith, he did, immediate, he did not immediately heal their friend. He spoke something altogether unexpected to the paralyzed man. He said in Mark 2 and 5, he says, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And again, in my imagination, I could probably this man says, My sins? God, I mean, look at my legs. My legs won't work. He was not there for forgiveness. He was there for a healing. He wanted to walk out of that place. He wasn't there for his sins to be healed or forgiven. We cannot know what was going on in this unnamed man's heart, but Jesus' actions reveals this man's greatest need. And it is not physical healing. It is spiritual healing. This man had been bound in his bed for a long time, but his need to be right with God was greater than his need to walk. This paraplegic could have remained paralyzed but still been saved if his sins are forgiven. And that's the thought we need to give. Sometimes, you know, we think when our prayers is not answered that God ain't hearing our prayers. But God may be more, more, more concerned about our salvation. You know, Peter, you know, when we go through life and Peter's preached messages and, and even Paul, you know, Paul went through his affliction. He, Paul prayed for him to, God to heal him of his thorn in the side. But I feel like today he went to, he went to, to the grave still with that thorn in the side. And we find ourselves sometimes, you know, sometimes if we limp into heaven on a broken or messed up leg, it'll be worth it all. If we go through however we get there, it doesn't matter if God don't heal us physically today. If we're saved, that's all that matters. But what would it have been he gained if he had healed, been healed physically, but him, he died, if he would have died unforgiven? Jesus later, Jesus later asked in Mark 8 and 36, he says, For what shall it be profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The man's soul was this man's soul was priceless to God. This man's soul was priceless to God, and so is ours. So Jesus dealt with the greatest need first and forgave his sins in response to his greatest faith. You know, here he had faith that God could change his life. He could change his. He, he thought he was going to change his legs, but they had great faith, and he honored that great faith by doing his greatest need, and that is forgiving his sins. We all have needs. Some of us has great needs only God can deal can meet. Some of us need healings in our bodies. There's probably people sitting in this place today that needs God to touch you physically. But every one of us here today needs a healing for our souls that only comes through the forgiveness of our sins. We can bring all our needs to Jesus in, the, in faith. We can believe, believe that God can heal us physically, but we also need God can heal us spiritually. He can forgive our sins. He can meet us at any need. As apostolics, 
being like the apostles in the first church they started. We believe in praying for physical healing. No scripture text teaches that Jesus only healed while he was physically walking on earth. Or he was only healed only while the apostles was alive. On the contrary, Jesus said in Mark 16 and 17, says, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Not only does scripture declare healing is possible, but I can pass this mic around here today. And there are testimonies, personal testimonies of being healed in this place. When we need healing in our bodies, we may bring that need to Jesus and believe he can heal us. If, you, if the healing doesn't happen immediately, we need to do this Matthew 7 and 7. We need to, we need to keep asking, seeking, knocking. Because if we keep asking, we know it will come forth. We keep seeking, we will find. And we'll keep, what things we keep knocking on, God will open that door. May we have the same determination that this paraplegic and his friends had. Granted, the process can be difficult and discouraging as waiting for our healing, but we must pray for more grace to keep looking for God for his touch. Today, if God hadn't touched you yet, Let's pray that God, don't get discouraged. Just keep praying, God will reach out to us. Perhaps in certain circumstances, God has different plans for us than healing us in a particular issue. Perhaps God has a different timing than our timing. It is difficult to imagine a scenario in which our healing would not be the best interest. You know, in our minds, if God would just heal me. If God just heal me of this this way, or if he'll just heal me right now in front of everybody, or if God will just heal this person with a lame leg, or if he'll just make this leg grow back like it did at the Azusa Street, if he'll just do something like that miraculous, sometimes we think, well, that'll just set a revival in this place like never before. But it's difficult in the scenario to, to imagine that our healing may not be in our best interest. From our perspective, the healing is always best. Sometimes, you know, when our prayers is not answered, our faith starts to waver. And here I'm trying to tell you, not, not, we don't need to be discouraged. Brother Jerry preached a message Wednesday night, and if you wasn't here, and if you hadn't heard it yet, I urge you to hear it, because he talked about resurrection faith. And he talked about when your faith has, has been wavered, because your prayers haven't been answered, and I'm not going to try to preach his message because I'm not here today. He preached an awesome message. And if it's your faith needs to be resurrected. And so sometimes in life, you know, we need that resurrection faith. But we know God's way is always higher than our way. And God knows what he is doing even when we don't know. You know God knows the best. God will give us grace to keep our faith and believe he is still for us. And will accomplish his purpose and be glorified even through our our afflictions. You know, because we, sometimes we look at it, we, we need this affliction to go away. But God can, he can glorify us even through our afflictions. The story in Mark 2 teaches us that our most essential need is salvation. We need to be forgiven of our sins and made alive through the gift of God's Holy Spirit. We know Jesus and, and to be right, we need to, be have, we need to know Jesus and be in a right relationship with him. 
Let's bring our needs, spiritual needs and healings to Jesus. Through His grace and our faith, we will be made whole. When Jesus forgave the, the paraplegic sins, He immediately felt an inter-freedom and an inter-cleansedness. He felt something He had never felt in a long time, and that was joy. He felt a freedom from that. But everyone there was not overjoyed. Everyone there wasn't excited about this. The Word of God teaches that no mere man can forgive sins. That's God's authority on. Because some of these here, some of these in this crowd, they said, who is this? Who is this man that is trying to be God? Who is this man that says he can forgive sin? But the Word teaches us no mere man can forgive sin. And the scribes were right about that, but they were wrong that Jesus was blaspheming because they did not understand who Jesus really was. They thought he was just a man, and they thought he was a wicked one at that, who dared to claim that to be God. They did not understand that he was the Son of God, God in flesh, who exercised all the authority of God. He, didn't just, he wasn't just partly God. He was all God. And he, 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 were, he, he exercised in all authority of God. Jesus also knew that they would not believe that the paralytic sins were forgiven. So he worked another miracle for their glory of God. Jesus proposed a question. And that was our, our text today. He says, it says, whether it is easier to say to the sick of palsy, thy sin be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sin. He saith unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into the house. The crowd gasped. Right before their eyes, this paralyzed man, or now a former paralyzed man, stood up. Then he did exactly what Jesus told him to do. Because you imagine... Okay, he just talked about forgiving him of his sins. And then Jesus throws this question out there. He says, to, to show you that his sins have been forgiven, now I'm going to heal him from his paralyzation. So when he stood up on his own feet that he had never stood before or, or not in a long time, the crowd gasped at that. Then he did exactly what Jesus told him. He said in Mark 2 and 12, he says, Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out forth before them all. You know, I, I would think about the end of this man. He says, he may have wanted to, you know, stay around and celebrate a little while with his friends and with Jesus. But if the one who just healed you tells you to get up and, get up and leave, you get up and leave. If he told you to go jump in the river, you go jump in the river. That's what, you know, times, you know, some miracles, you know, he told people, he says, you know, go dip in the river. And they didn't want to go dip in the muddy river. You know, you go dip in the muddy river when the guy that's going to heal you. You do what he's going to tell you to do. But he probably did not just calmly walk out of that, that building or that home. I feel like he was probably leaping, joyfully headed out that door and towards home. He walked away rejoicing. He had heard the voice, and he heard the voices in the houses raising praise to God. The crowd was amazed and was glorified that God, what God had just done in front of them. 
They had never seen anything quite like that. Scripture reveals the, the deity of Christ in two main ways throughout Scripture. The first one is by direct statements that testifies that Jesus was God in flesh. And by the second one is by examples of Jesus doing and saying things only God could do or say. In the case of the, the paraplegic, we see Jesus doing and saying something only God could do or say. If Jesus had just healed the man, that would not have proved he was God in flesh. Because God can use us to lay hands on someone and to bring healing. So, so if he had just healed him from, the, from his lameness or something visible that he could see, that may, not, that may not have been as convincing. But no means does it mean that we're, because we can lay hands on someone and they receive their, their, their healing, does it mean we're divine or we're holy or we're, we're, we're God in flesh? In this story, Jesus forgives the man's sin and then healing him confirmed who Jesus really was. The man's physical healing helped prove the spiritual healing. Jesus today is still forgiving sin. Acts 5 and 31 tells us that Jesus is seated in heaven at the right hand of God, which means in the place of the supreme authority. This don't mean, actually mean he's sitting beside God. It means he is in the extreme, extreme authority to do as God. To be the prince and savior. For to give repentance to Israel and to forgiveness of sin. Jesus made forgiveness of sin possible through his death on the cross. To pay the penalty for our sins and through the res his resurrection and ascension to heaven. Forgiveness becomes a reality for us when we turn to Jesus as our Lord and Savior in faith and repentance. And to call his name in baptism. That's what happens. That's, that's why we take care of sin. We can trust that Jesus will forgive our sins just as he forgave the man in Mark 2. Forgiveness, of course, is not just a one-time experience. We must, we must have forgiveness daily. Repentance is not just a one-time act. We must do it daily. Or, or, or let me back that up. I must do it daily. I'm not perfect as maybe somebody, some of the others today. I have to have forgiveness on a regular basis. Until the Lord returns and we are transformed to be like him, we are liable to still sin even when we're walking with God in holiness. May we never take his mercy and grace for granted. But when we need forgiveness, we are invited to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We freely offers, he freely offers mercy and grace to those that have faith in him like he did in Mark 2. What a celebration today that this former paraplegic and his friends must have had later that day. They probably laughed about what they had actually done. He, one of them probably said, man, we tore up that man's roof to get to where Jesus was at. And the paraplegic man says, yeah, and now I get to go help y'all repair it. The former paraplegic was thrilled. He was thrilled. He didn't have no problem. He probably was willing to pay for 
the roof. He was probably willing to do whatever. He was thrilled to be able to walk with his friends and go and repair this roof. Their determination and their desperation to get to Jesus certainly paid off more than in one way. He received his physical healing and he received something much more significant. Spiritual healing when Jesus forgave his sins. He just wanted to walk. He just wanted to walk physically. But now he could walk with the Lord spiritually. And sometimes in our life, you know, we, we feel like we need just a miracle from God. We just need God to touch this situation. But sometimes in life, we need more than just a physical need. It's more important that we have our, our spiritual needs met. He was restored in his body and soul, and we learned so much from this story that physical healing is possible through Jesus Christ. But we should pray for people to be healed of their bodies. Jesus was, has used physical healing as proof that he had the authority to forgive. So sometimes in life, you know, we see in services, we see where God heals somebody physically. And we say, that's, we, 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 we celebrate about that. But sometimes in life, you know, we, see, we don't see, you can't see sometimes how God heals somebody spiritually. You don't see that as evident sometimes. But we should be rejoicing every time we see someone repenting. Sometimes we see someone that's coming to God and getting a spiritual need met. You know, we'll see that effects later. But we should be physically, we should, we should celebrate with them. When we are healed physically, we need to have give glory to God. But when we're not healed physically, we also need to give glory to God. Let us be thankful that we are saved and let's exalt Jesus as flesh, God in flesh. You know, when this, we read this story, we're likely to tend to see ourselves in the roles of the, the paraplegic in a need of a healing. We should, also seek, we should also seek to fill the role of the friends. And today as I begin to close, I, I want to talk about this for just a few minutes. Their paraplegic would have remained as he was, unhealed and unforgiven, if he had not had someone to bring him to Jesus. Jesus wants us to use, wants us to use us to bring others to him. It may be an inconvenience. It may require us to do some things that we might not be inclined to do. These four men weren't inclined to dig holes in someone else's roof. But their determination, their desperation push them to do something like this. And today, sometimes when we, we pray our prayers, sometimes I feel like if we'll get this, this desperate, and I'm not telling people to go out and tear holes in people's roofs, because you may wind up in, I may minister to you in jail or prison today, but, but today but we need to have that kind of desperation. That kind of, that kind of, Willing to see what happened no matter what. And I think if we'll start praying that prayer. I feel like we need to, we need to reach into the lives of our people. Because some people are depending on us. Not just for a physical healing. I'm not here today. I feel like there's people that's on our jobs that we're called to reach. 
And if they ever see heaven, if they make heaven their home, it's going to be because what we do. And it may be an inconvenience today. It may be feel like you may feel out of your out of your place today. But God has called us to take what we've got inside of us, that forgiveness we feel inside of us, and take it outside. Take it outside of those out of this building, and take it outside to the, to the people around us. In the remaining time we have, as we wait for the blessing and hope, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. May God use us greatly to bring others to Jesus for healing, spiritually and physically. Today, as we stand across here today, I ask us today, as we, we close this part of our service today, let us pray that God will give us that kind of desperation, that kind of motivation to see someone healed, spiritually and physically. Let us pray. Lord, I ask you to touch us and anoint us today. I ask you right now, Lord, Jesus, to minister to us, Lord. Give us, give us this kind of desperation. Give us this kind of motivation. Lord Jesus, this faith, Lord Jesus, whatever it takes, Lord Jesus, we'll do, Lord Jesus, to get, get our loved ones, get our, get our families or get our needs met, Lord. Lord, I ask you to touch everyone in this service, Lord. I ask you to touch the remainder part of this service through the musicians, Lord Jesus, through everything that's spoken, Lord Jesus, in this service, Lord. I ask you to touch us and anoint us today. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.